Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap, as if they're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share The Void with someone who might also be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach. And just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So if you see somebody asking questions about starting their own service-based company, please do us a favor and drop them a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch. David. I'm tired. Yeah? Yeah. You're old. I know. <laughs> I know. I know why you're tired. You spent all weekend driving your new hot rod around town. <laughs> Humble brag. Humble brag. I haven't said anything. Oh, I, I, I haven't said anything. Have I said I anything? I like giving gifts. So Have I, I said anything on the show? No, you didn't. No, I didn't say one fucking thing about it. You you did. A couple of shows ago, I you said, mentioned it. I said I bought my wife something nice for Christmas. That's yeah. all I said. 67 Camaro. 68. 68. 68 Camaro RS, and then it's badged as an SS. 350, four-speed. Yeah. It sounds badass. It's almost completely restored. I brought it over to Mitch's on, what was that, Sunday? Sunday. It was Sunday. It was nice out. Yeah. That was the first time we'd had it out. Yeah. I worked on it. The carburetor was a little rough, but... Got it all out. It is a bad piece of machinery. Trying to get my dog to jump up in it or something. (laughs) It is a nice car. Yeah, it's cool. My wife, I've seen her. We've been married. It'll be 19 years. I've seen her cry like three times ever. She's like cold, like calculated, always has been that way. She cried for like two minutes. Yeah. Like she's wanted one since she was like 15 years old right 16 years old she came in the barn just i mean lost her mind loved it it is a cool ass car that's cool maybe i'll take a little video of it that's when you know a little short on the void (laughs) there you go yeah that's when you know you have a a good prize when you gotta say you gotta come outside to see it come out to the barn you just know she's thinking you got her a horse yeah (laughs) yeah right she literally (laughs) she just shot that horse (laughs) layla made her a little uh i wanted horsepower not horses (laughs) (laughs) layla made her a little scavenger hunt like around the house oh yeah like and so the clues were like I helped her with some were good but some of them were just really yeah I mean they were bad right? look you left know? yeah I mean, she's nine were, so yeah she's nine you know but <laughs> so eventually it, it, uh, she's like okay I guess we're going to the barn like she's all sad you know like pouting like oh, I guess we're going oh, like yeah we're yeah we're going to the barn we're all going everybody load up my sister's in town from Colorado so like they their little kids there everyone's down in the barn waiting she's like. Okay, you know, all this and that. Oh, it's a cold. It was cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, you could tell she wasn't happy. Yeah. And then, like, two seconds after, oh, my God, it's so awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was awesome. That's yeah. cool. It's pretty badass. Then all of a sudden, like, she never mentioned anything about the cold. It's like she oh, goes yeah. out in, like, T-shirt and jeans. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, she completely, yeah. yeah, she completely. <laughs> Doing snow angels. Had lost her mind, did a 180, and then was, yeah, so. That's a lot better than the gift I got Danielle. I didn't get her anything. Yeah, you did. You gave her yourself. That's right. Yeah. I wrapped myself up. 48 seconds of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All 48 seconds of me. Uh, Yeah. That's what I got her. 
It's probably longer we, than forty-eight seconds. We rarely get each score. other Christmas gifts. We don't. We don't do that much. So yeah, He's tweaking his high score. Okay. Yeah, we we really don't either. Like, so she'll buy gifts, you know, for me from Layla. Yeah, you know, and I'll it's, right. you know, same thing. Yeah, and then we really just don't ever get any each other anything she was like i thought you redid the patio furniture i was like no <laughs> i didn't redo the patio i'd rather buy the car than redo the damn patio furniture that's no, funny you can have the car instead yeah but yeah it's fun so no, no this year you're gonna be like well i, I gotta do something oh, no, she ain't getting shit next year yeah you just let her know like Nothing. hey the next three or four years is gonna be kind of poopy don't don't oh, ever get be. into the top it scenario where you got to top what you did no, last you year you can't do it i'm out I'm, it's over for me. I'm yep. done. Yeah. I can never top that gift. Well, at least it makes it nice. You don't have to worry about, like, you know, for the rest of your life. I don't have to be like, oh, I've already hit the, the peak. Yeah, like, even if we were millionaires, like, yep. multi-millionaires, and I bought her, like, a private jet, that gift wouldn't mean as much as this. As, you know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. As the gift I bought. It doesn't have to do, it has nothing to do with the money. Yep. It's that it's something that she had always wanted. I'm a horrible gift giver. Like, like real, like, I bought a book. Like I think it's called the art of gift giving. I haven't read it yet, but <laughs> you've read all those other <laughs> shitty ass, stupid business owner books, and you haven't read that book. Nope. But that, like that's one area that I want to do better in because really good gift givers, like that's a sign that they're really really in tune with, like yeah. what the other person would like. Yeah. And so I want to get better at the gift giving thing. So I'm gonna yeah. Ooh, I gotta, I gotta brush like, up on those skills. Rule one is like getting someone a gift that. Is for them and not for you. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, like when I shop for my You mean my like dad, a 68 Camaro? Oh, no. <laughs> well, I wanted a boat. I wanted to spend the money on a boat. See, my dad, he likes practical stuff. So getting him like one of those cell phone holders that like suction cups to the windshield. Right. Like for me, I'm like, but for him, it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He loves the practical stuff. The best stuff. gifts are the ones that are super cheap, but they hold on to forever. Right. Like, you know that that was something that they really wanted or could really use. You know what I mean? So when we went deer hunting this year, my dad, uh, we're trying to load a four-wheeler up onto a trailer, and he's got these, like, 40-year-old ratchet straps that are all dry-rotted. And, like, one of them breaks. Refuses to buy new ones. Yeah, one of them breaks in half, and so he ties it together. (laughs) And I'm like, if it it broke there, (laughs) what makes you think it's not going to break somewhere else? Like, it's time for new straps. No, they're still good. I'm with your dad. Yeah. Tie that bitch. So... I got him new ratchet straps for Christmas, and that will be a gift that he'll have forever, simply because he'll never throw those away. Like, <laughs> yeah, proof being his old ratchet straps, yeah. he never threw them away. Yeah. So that's a meaningful gift. You know what he said was? He said, "When my current ratchet straps yep. give out in about a year, I'm going to start using these." <laughs> yeah, I would have went out to his garage, rounded them up, and threw them in the yeah. trash. My mom told him those don't even come into the house until the old ones are in the trash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Four wheeler oh. go flying into somebody's windshield behind yeah, us. Yeah, trying to save a dollar. Yeah. On two straps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Oh man. Today's show, we are going to talk about the. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Field Pulse, the official field service management software provider of The Void. Field Pulse allows you to organize your customers, your employees, your jobs, and your revenue with ease. Field Pulse is the perfect option no matter if you're a business of one or 100. The pathway through business ownership. Um... So most of the time, if you're considering starting your own business, you're in some form of sales 
in in one way or another. Um, maybe you sell real estate and you're wanting to open up your own brokerage. Maybe you sell air conditioners and you're wanting to open up your own AC company. Maybe you sell camera equipment and you're wanting to open up Ooh, your yeah. own studio. Like who knows, right? Um, or maybe you're just a a you know maybe you're not an HVAC salesperson. Maybe you're selling HVAC repairs. You're an HVAC repair tech, or you're a plumber that's selling plumbing repairs. Um, we're, we're all salesmen to some degree, but if your job is to sell those things, usually those are the types of people that have the mindset that they want to start their own company. And so um, you, you need to get good at sales before you're going to start your own company, right? Because literally sales run businesses. That's That's that businesses thrive on sales. So you have to have sales. So the pathway through business ownership is it starts at sales and then you move into self-employment and that's where you're doing everything. And then you transition into CEO where you're calling the shots and you have a whole network of people doing everything. Um, and then the end all be all would be like investor, to where you stay on at the company, but you hire a CEO to run the company, and now you're reaping the financial rewards of the company without having to do any of the work. And um, some people skip the investor step. Some people work, you know, sales, self-employed, CEO, and then sell the company. Or stay CEO. Or stay CEO, and they just... Yeah, they... And they just... That's just where they work forever. Yeah, they yeah. get themselves a, they make 150 grand a year, and then whatever's left at the end, yep, they get the investor portion also. And then when they're ready to retire, they sell that or groom someone else to take, you know, their place. Right. Especially in the service industry. Yep. I, I feel like that's you know it's moving more towards the uh, investor slash sell the company, but you know. 10, 15, 20 years ago, that's what it was. You know, you just work, you built it up and you just worked there till you were done and either gave it to a son, a daughter, or, you know, just groomed someone to take that spot. Yeah. And it, like you could stop at any one of these levels. Right. Um, you could, you could, and there is, I mean, technically a level above the investor side would be selling the company off, which is re reaping the re investor rewards, like what you said. But like you could stop at sales, you could never transfer over into self employed. You could stop at self-employed and never hire people on and therefore never be running a team of people and never really like be a CEO, so to speak. Um, you, you could stop anywhere. But it does you good to understand that pathway um, because uh, what will happen if you don't understand that pathway, um, then inevitably what happens is somebody will start complaining that the business is too much for them. They'll start saying between doing all the actual work and then having to deal with marketing and accounting and bookkeeping and taxes and, you know, vehicle repairs and just all of the things that go on in a business, they'll, it'll overwhelm them and it'll become way, way too stressful. And that's the classic example of somebody who doesn't understand the pathway through business. And so, um, Ironically, somebody had uh, I'm on a I'm on a Facebook group for home service business owners and uh, somebody had posted a very, very similar gripe on that group. And it's a very real gripe. Um, and they said, how do you guys do it? I see a lot of people on here being successful, 
But I mean, I'm so busy working and doing all the actual work that by the time I come home, I don't have time to do the bookkeeping and the accounting and the invoicing and the scheduling and the dispatching and the and the. Yeah, they're out of gas. Yeah, they're just out of gas. They're out of gas. They're too busy turning wrenches doing the physical work that they can't do the behind the scenes work. Yeah, and when you're 28 and 30 and 32, it's fine. You yeah. can do it. Like yeah. you literally, you're just. Here I go. Yep. And you get to be about 40 and you're like, ah, you know what? Fuck this. Yep. I'm out. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I feel it. So uh, it, I'm privileged to be in this group because there are some incredibly, incredibly successful people in this group. Um, one of the people that replied to his post was a man by the name of Ken Goodrich. Um, he is the CEO of Gettle Air Conditioning. Um, if you don't already know who he is, Pause this show and Google Ken Goodrich. Um, I won't tell you too much about him other than his business does $100 million a year in sales. So uh, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Um, and so his reply was that the, the problem is you're, you're doing too much of the work. And you don't understand the, the pathway through business. Um, he says the business is not the product you provide or the physical work that you do. The business is a system made of processes inside seven centers of management attention. And those centers of management are leadership, management, money, marketing, lead generation, lead conversion, and client fulfillment. Client fulfillment is the physical work. Client fulfillment is the turning of the wrenches, the installing of the AC, the installing of the water heater, the, the cutting of the hair, the detailing of the car. Like it's whatever work you do, it's the physical nature of the work. That's client fulfillment. And, and I, I mean, Ken Goodrich, $100 million company. So these are, these are kind of like corporate E terms, but he's basically describing all of the things that go on in the business. Um, and it, it's your job as the business owner to build the system so that your employees know what to do in order to profitably deliver your services to your customers. The actual work is only one seventh of the system. 14, he says 14%, but it's one seventh of the system. As a business owner, your job is to build the system, not to do all the work. So build the system first. And um, that, that's where he, he left his out. And basically what he's saying is you need to grow your business to a point where you're not the one doing all the work. And essentially, that's kind of everybody to a certain level. Even if you're a one-man show, you need to build your, your system in a way to where you could be a one-man show, but you have a part-timer that's answering the phones for you. Well, that right there is a huge load off your back because it's impossible to deliver a customer phenomenal service when your phone's ringing off the hook in your pocket because now you got two customers and you're giving one of them the FU button, right? You're either stopping talking to the customer that you're talking to to answer the phone or you're ignoring the phone and giving that person bad service so that you can give the customer you're talking to good service. So, um, you know, having somebody to answer the phones is imperative to 
alleviating a lot of that stress that you have whenever you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, having somebody to do your bookkeeping is another imperative thing to alleviate a lot of that stress. Um, and, and that's what he's referring to when he's saying build your system. Um, we started out in, I mean, depending on how you want to define it, I was a one-man show. It was just me doing all the work. However, my wife was answering the phones and doing the bookkeeping. Um, I was the only one drawing a paycheck at the time, but she was answering the phones and doing all the bookkeeping. I'd hate to think about how slow we would have started if I had to do all of that too. Um, but building our system so that I had somebody else to answer the phones and do the bookkeeping made it, it was like a light switch moment right from the get go. And it allowed me to focus on the customers that were standing in front of me while somebody else was focusing on the customers that were calling in. And, um, you know, that was part of the system that we built. Well, now we're doing enough jobs where the bookkeeping part of it is, is it's not quite a 40 hour a week job. It's probably 20 or 30 hours a week. And so now we have somebody else answering the phones three to four days a week. And my wife only answers them one or two days a week. And the other days she's doing all of her bookkeeping work. Um, and, and again, that's all part of the system that that's, that's built. So, um, in the beginning, if you are truly a one man show, you're answering phones, you're doing bookkeeping, you're doing everything. It's going to get overwhelming really, really quick. So I would actually encourage you to build your system right out of the gate to where at least you have somebody doing bookkeeping. Um, very rarely is somebody who's really good at doing the physical work also good at doing the books. Uh, it just doesn't go hand in hand. It can. I've said this a lot on the show. Like when I started out by myself, I mean, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Like when Jorge sent us those emails in the beginning about, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, do all that stuff and do this and do that. And I want to be a one man show. I don't know if I want to hire somebody, but you know, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot of work. We told it, dude, it is a lot of work. Yeah. Like literally I would work all day and then I would go home and enter invoices in. Yeah. Literally would just enter in everything, you know, whether it be paid or I needed to mail them or I, you know, whatever, or I would get, I never booked a lot of early morning calls. I'd get up early and do it then. Right. You know, and then mail them out, you know, first thing. It is a lot of work. Yeah. And if you can, if you can stomach it, you can make a ton of money yep. doing it on your own. You're not paying any of that money out, but you will pay for it with something. Yeah. Whether it be stress, burnout later. Like that's where my problem was, was burnout later. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally it was just, you know, get up and work, go out and run the calls, get home and do the bookkeeping. I mean, have a couple drinks, have dinner, go downstairs, do some more bookkeeping or enter in customers or do whatever yeah, we made a ton of money, Yep. but yeah, it's a lot of work. And if you're not, if you're not used to being on that level and to be honest, I had kind of had a little like precursor of what it was going to be. Cause I would work, you know, at the companies I was at before I would work and then be on call. And then when I was on call and down there at the office, I would see, you know, what, making my own invoices was like, mm -hmm. like on the weekends or, you know, entering in new customers or doing whatever. So I kind of knew, 
But man, if I hadn't, I mean, that would have been like just a huge punch in the face of, oh shit, yeah. I've got to do all the, look at all this work I've got to do. You know, it can be very overwhelming. Yeah. If well, you're not prepared. I'm, I'm analytical enough. So I look at it straight from like uptime and downtime. And if I'm out there doing for, you know, for us, it's a plumbing business. So if I'm out there doing plumbing repairs, that's uptime. That's, that's bringing money in. That's making money time. Yeah. Downtime is going to be things that I'm doing that don't make the company money. Um, and so that would be like answering the phones. You know, yes, I, I totally get that you can't make money on a call unless you answer the phone, but you also can't make money in a business unless you do bookkeeping, right? Yeah. But you've got sales and then you've got supporting roles and sales is uptime and supporting roles is downtime. And so I look at it just like, okay, my skill set is plumbing and sales. So I'm going to go spend as much time as I can in that area. And if I can, if I can go, you know, I was, I average somewhere around like 1500 to $2,000 a day in revenue whenever I'm running calls. Um, and, and those, those are conservative numbers, but let's just use, let's, let's just say $2,000 a day, um, is a, is a benchmark number, right? Well, if I have to spend a day doing bookkeeping, that just cost me $2,000 in revenue, Yeah. right? So now all of a sudden me doing the bookkeeping just got really expensive. I can hire a bookkeeper for a month for way less than that. So if I can alleviate myself of a month of bookkeeping for one day in the field, heck yeah, I'll do that every chance I can, right? I, I know lots of companies, they'll, they think of it like in an hourly perspective, you know, for, okay, for every man we have in the field, we're making $400 an hour. Right. You know, and then they'll say, okay, so if I have to hire a full-time secretary and she's making 25 or he's making $25 an hour, it's, it's a no brainer, mm -hmm. right? You're, mm -hmm. you're up $325. Right. Right. Before right. taxes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it can be that simple yeah. to just turn those numbers down to hourly, especially in a, a lot of the guys I know that do that. They're, you know, they're four or five, six guy shop. They're not huge. Yeah. You know, they're not, and it makes it easier for you to comprehend what's actually going on. Right. You know, and how can I save money? Where can I spend money? You yep. know, where's it wise for me to spend money? Do yeah. I need to take this day off, you know, and go, or, or a lot of guys, if this guy takes off and I'm used to being in the shop, as the owner, I can't be in the shop that day because right. this guy's off. Right. So we're out that three twenty-five an hour. I have to go out and work for right. that guy. You know, lots of guys kind of run into the mentality of I'm an owner. I'm in the office. I don't go out and work. Well, think of it as when that guy's out and if you stay in the shop, you're losing three twenty-five an hour. Guess what? Your ass is out there working. Right. Because you're like, I've got to fill that gap. Right. Right. Yeah. The as soon as you start compartmentalizing it into where you make your money and how much money you make when you're doing that, then it just becomes painfully obvious to say, well, just keep doing that and then hire somebody to do the other stuff. You can hire a bookkeeper, especially if you're a one man show, your books are fairly easy. Yeah. They're you, not bad. you can hire a bookkeeper for, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. 
Yeah. And they'll they'll jump into your books digitally and, and they'll straighten them all out for you and, and then it takes be done. him it takes that guy if you're just starting out, I'm just gonna tell you, like it took me a while to figure it out for those first two months. Yeah. I was down there two and a half hours a night. Yeah. After six months it took me fifteen minutes. Yep. You know, like it I mean I I had to struggle to learn how to do those things. Like, yeah. oh shit, and, what do I do? Where do I categorize things? You know. And as home service people, we know all too well because we've seen it time and time again. We've heard the stories. Customers will have tried to work on something for eight or 10 hours and then give up and call us. And we go in in 10 minutes and get it fixed. Yeah. And it's just the experience and the, the past knowledge that we've gained. We, we know what we're doing, right? <laughs> well, guess what? Your bookkeeper knows what they're doing too. Yeah. And they know so, better than you. It's okay. Yeah. And so as you're, as you're building your system, build it so that you have some of those key roles happening from the get-go. Um, answering the phones is probably one of the harder ones. I talk to a lot of younger entrepreneurs and younger people in business, and um, they're still answering their phones. And to me, that's the scariest thing ever, because you're literally, you, you cannot give great service to a person on the phone and a person in person at the exact same time. And so, um, um, you you know, you could let that phone call go to voicemail, and then hope that they don't immediately hang up and then call the next person on the phone book or the next person on Google. You know, you, you don't know what their issue is. And if their issue is my basement is flooding, well, they're not going to leave it up to when you might return a voicemail. They're going to call somebody else and get somebody out there right away. Yeah, most people will give you about three minutes. Yeah. If it's an emergency, they give you three minutes. There are some, there are some very big companies out there that they require the phones picked up before the third ring. Because they've found, like, they've gone so far with it that they found if it rings four times, the customer interaction is already starting in a bad path. Yeah. And so, those people are looking for phone answers all the time. Yep. Because no one's doing it. No one's doing <laughs> it. Right. I mean, come on. So there's, there's crazy and there's insane. There, well, yeah. They're two different things. What gets measured improves, and sometimes they're measuring a little too much. Yeah, that's right. So, um, um, but the, the idea that you're going to start your business and not have some of this stuff platformed out and templated out is kind of crazy. And so if you're listening to this show, it's because you want to start a good business and you've, you're, you're dedicating uh, now 25, 30 minutes of your time just on this one episode to try to improve your business. And so if, if, if that's you, then you at least have the capacity to understand that you need to give yourself a little bit of a framework to, to work within and, and to understand that you know, like there's literally not a job in our company that I can't do, but there are definitely jobs that are way more uh, smart for me to do than other jobs. Um, our ladies took my, uh, the, the two ladies that answer our phones, my wife and the other lady, they took my scheduling privileges away from me because as you guys both know, Dave and Austin, I get pulled in so many different directions mm. so fast. I'm not get, I'm not buying the pulled in different directions. I'm. I'm <laughs> well, he means like he forgot well, to tell me that. No, he's got fucking ADHD for and he forgets what the fuck he's doing and he just rolls on to something else. That could well, be it too. He texts me today and says, "Hey, do you want to start at five today?" I said, "Yeah, let's do that. Well, That'll help me. I got to get home." Okay, I show up at four forty-five. Austin's not going to be here till five thirty. Yeah. What the, you fucking called me? I forgot to. I forgot to do some scheduling. Yeah. So yeah. So you got two Austin, women doing Austin your job said, now. Is that sexist? 
No. I'm, wondering, I'm, I'm sending her. I literally sent him a picture of my food because I cooked it just probably the best chicken I've ever cooked in my life, like dry brine and everything. And he's like, um, "Hey, Dave, uh, just, got Dave just got here." And I'm like, oh. "Do you know what I had for dinner today? What? Nothing. Nothing." <laughs> As I'm here, I went home. I, I took a freaking shower. I changed my shit. I come fucking right over here. I thought, okay, I'll get over there. Yeah. Get it done. I'll get home. I have some dinner. No, I've been up since five this morning. I ate fucking one sandwich today at noon. I'm starving. So, so like I yes, it's a pity party uh, for one. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. thank you all. Pity party for Dave. Yeah. Moment of silence. Yeah, please send me there it emails. Is. Um, so you know, there there are times where it, it, and, and delegation is it, it can be difficult, right? Especially if you're um, a micromanager. Yeah. 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 Uh, it can be uh, difficult. <laughs> well, no, I, I just think he has... It's, it's hard for you to give up control of something that you've worked so hard to get perfect. No, it's it's not a... Con- like, for me, it's not a control thing. For me, it's a... Um, I way underestimate how much time something's going to take. And uh, for me, it's a... You think it's going to be five minutes and I don't an have hour? a problem <laughs> doing that for you. Like, if a call comes in and my wife is away from the phone, my inclination is to go pick up the phone. Like, I don't have a problem picking up that. I'll take the call. I'll mm-hmm. book the call, right? When that's her job, right? So she'll come running in from the other room, and she'll be like, don't you dare touch that fucking phone, <laughs> right? And, and that's just my, my like, I want to help everybody, right? Yeah. I want to do I want to do as much as I can. Yeah, I couldn't get her to answer the phone when they first started. Now she won't let him answer <laughs> the phone. <laughs> I, call, I call her one day. I said, hey, I called your plumbing service number. I was just, I don't know why I called you. I was looking for something. And, uh, well, didn't Danielle call you back? No. <laughs> like, when was that? Three hours ago. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. No, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> and now she won't let him answer the phone. Yep. That's funny. So the twist of irony being, being able to do all of that is key. And like, I know that firsthand because I like there, I'm inclined to want to answer the phone. I'm inclined to want to book the call. I'm inclined to want to go run an errand for one of my guys in the field. But I find myself more and more realizing that that what's, that's what puts me crazy overwhelmed. Like I had a whole list of shit that I wanted to do today. And then one of my guys got his truck stuck in the mud and I had to go pull him out. Well, that meant that that was about an hour of my time that I had to give up in order to go pull them out of the mud. And so there was an hour of shit that I had on my to-do list that either won't get done, or I now have to stay up later tonight to get it done. So, um, you know, it's very easy to get, if you're the one having to do everything, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. And so, um, putting systems in place, your job as a business owner is to build the system. So putting systems in place to have other people that you can rely on to do that stuff for you is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool to like on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, um, Stephanie answers the phones for us. And it's pretty cool to know that the phones are being answered Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And like that frees up Danielle's schedule to do bookkeeping. It frees up my schedule. Cause now I don't even have to hear the calls that are happening. So it frees up my schedule to really dive in and, and get into the spreadsheets and, and all of that kind of shit. So, um, but, but it goes all the way back down to the basics. When you are starting your company, you're doing everything, but hopefully if you did it right, you built a system 
that alleviates a lot of those tasks as fast as humanly possible. And if you can alleviate those tasks as fast as humanly possible, you're going to do really, really well. I can, well, see, I can see the need to going off that. Like when I remember when I used to like run at McDonald's for like the year that I did, it's like you can do things faster, like four times faster than anybody else, but having to stand there and let somebody else do that and the pain of like watching them do it so much slower, but they have to do it because that's their job. Right. And just the itching to get in there and be like, oh, God, I can just do it so much quicker. And yeah. Get the fuck out of my well, way and, and watch me go. There's a mental struggle <laughs> there too, right? So like, let's just say... It's McDonald's, right? Let's say you can make 10 burgers in a minute, Mm -hmm. and the person that you've trained to do the job is only making seven burgers in a minute. And so it's killing you because you're three burgers down. Mm -hmm. Well, as you're growing a business, now you hire two burger people. Mm -hmm. So now, whereas you could only make 10 in a minute, now you hire two that are doing each seven in a minute. So now you're you're 14 in a minute. You okay? You got something stuck in my throat. Are you dying? No. Okay. Uh, like a did I sound excited? Did I sound like I was excited or <laughs> yeah. worried? I don't know. I'm not sure either. I have to yeah. listen back. Yeah. That might have sounded exciting. You might have. I believe myself. I'm over here. I'm like, oh, it's Demar. Yeah. And so when you get home and your wife's packing a bag and you're like, are you moving out? Does it sound like you're worried or happy? Yeah. I'm just going down the street to my friends. Oh. <laughs> Dang. Shit, how'd that come off? Did yeah. I sound like I wanted to move out? <laughs> Did I sound like I was happy or sad? We'll listen to that later. The you know, as you're <laughs> as you're doing burgers <laughs> and you get two people that are each making seven burgers a minute. So now you're making fourteen burgers a minute. So now collectively you're doing more than what you could do by yourself, right? And and so there's an old saying that goes, if you want to go fast, go by yourself, and if you want to go far, far. go together, right? Mm-hmm. That's essentially what you're doing. You're Mm -hmm. building a system that's going to take you far Mm -hmm. because without that system in place, you're not going to make it very far in business. You'll literally burn out. What I've noticed, too, is if you end up being that person that tries to step in, people will just watch you. Yes. So then they'll be less productive and like, whoa, he's stepping in and doing all my work for me. So, man, I got a good day today. Yeah. Or the two people you hire make it up to nine burgers a piece. Now they're making 18 and now they want $18 an hour. And you say, you're fired. I built a robot to yeah, five burgers an hour. <laughs> Wait, I don't know what to tell you. Mitchell, <laughs> Mitchell what were you going to say on that? Um, I saw him with the burgers. Yeah, yeah. I got, I'm so, watching that. I'm like, Dave just threw like a wrench into that. <laughs> so my job. true story from my management days is I was that over over-pleasing manager, just like what you said. I, yeah, I would step imposter. in and try to do it uh, for them, um, and then they got them to rely on me a lot, right? Um, I was also not, early in my manager days, I was not very good at teaching people how to do stuff. I would tell them how to do it, but not teach them how to do it. And so what ended up happening was they would just rely on me for all the answers. And so when somebody would get into the field and encounter a problem they didn't know how to solve, they would call me. And I would answer the phone, and I would solve it over the phone, and I would walk away. And um, I was naive being young. I thought that was a good thing. I'm like patting myself on the back of like, ha I can solve problem, plumbing problems over the phone, you know, and, yeah, and all this stuff, right? Doesn't teach them how to figure it out. For doesn't themselves. teach them how to figure yeah. it out, right? And so they're once, not growing. They're just yeah. they're a robot out there. So once I learned all that, and once I started realizing that. You know, all, I don't have I don't have self-supportive people out there. I've got basically like little robots that need my brain to go out and do this stuff. Smedley, Smedley, Smedley. Yeah, that's not Smedley robots. Smedley minions. Yeah, <laughs> not good, right? So then I I 
came up with this exercise and it and what it was was if anybody called me i would not answer the phone yep. for like five or ten minutes and then i call them back and five or ten minutes if they have to wait that long it's not the end of the world right but what i found they'd figure it out yeah 80 percent of the time when i'd call them back they'd say never mind i got to figure it out like if I if I ever were to go to back to McDonald's again, which I never will, that's the first thing I would do is I just want to answer my phone for like an hour. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. what we used to call that cell phone mentality. Mm-hmm. Like so, when you were <clears throat> when we were just doing new homes, builders would just call, "Hey, what about this? What about this?" They like they wouldn't even think about anything for thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. They would immediately just go, "I don't know," and they'd call. You know, mm-hmm. well, if you quit answering the phone, like you just said, and someone had to think for just one minute, yeah, they could figure out the problem. Yep. I mean, that's the problem with the cell phone, right? Yeah. It's like this, it's just immediate gratification right now or problem solving right now. But you don't grow as, this is completely off topic, you don't grow as a society at all if yeah. you're not teaching people how to deal with their own problems. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, the same could be said for Google too, like... You know, now you can almost Google virtually any answer out there. Oh, and I love um, me some Google, man. And, and if you know how mm. to do it, it's it helps you get to answers faster. But I am a little worried that the next generations don't know how to develop their own answers. Like, I oh no, they're in trouble. Dude. I've, I've said for years that you're actually <laughs> going like there's probably going to be courses for how to use the internet effectively because there's so much of a like rabbit's nest that can come from the internet to where you're like, you're relying on the internet for the answers and you're not actually growing as a person. Right. Yeah. Like we didn't have the internet. So then when the internet came out, it was just another tool. Yeah. Well now these kids have the internet and they don't even really know how to use the internet. Yeah. Like the internet should confirm what you're thinking rather than tell you what to think. It's a little like, I have, sorry, I have a great example. So the car, I just bought Janine. I knew that it had a little carburetor issue. Mm -hmm. Like I could see in the video the guy driving it. First off, never buy a car unseen. But to be honest, I'd been looking for four months. So Mm -hmm. beggars can't be choosers. Right. Well, I knew that the carburetor was, something was going on with it. And it seemed to me like the floats were off or one of the needles and needle and seat was off. And it wasn't, you know, it would hesitate. I know how to change those. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know how to get in there, but w- what did I do? I went on Google anyway. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had the repair kit and I thought, I'm just going to check real quick. And just like you said, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was right. Yep. But I did learn, okay, the height of that float is this. And I thought it was this, Yeah. you know, so got it all together, fired it up, ran like a champ. But if you don't even know what to look for, yeah, you don't even know where to begin. Yeah. You know, and it's just like our, especially our industry, you know, if, if you hire a kid straight out of when DeVry was a real thing and you just say, okay, you have your degree, go out there. Well, he gets out there. He doesn't even know where to start. No. So he immediately calls you. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. you have to train your guys, gals to think for themselves, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, hopefully you're hiring people that are a little more inept than that, but yeah. And, and I mean, you like never know. my, um, my big push this year is for me to document one process a week in our company. I want to be able to have 
not necessarily like a process manual, but right now all of our processes that we do in our company are spoken. We only have one written process in the entire company. And um, breakfast on Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even that's spoken. Yeah. Um, but but I want to be able to have documentation for that, and so that way it can be like that's the standard, and so that way that's the benchmark that people are now measured from. And if we need to adjust it, we can. But that's also the standard. Like if somebody starts performing poorly. And now we have this process to say you're not meeting these expectations. So it becomes the tool that we'll fire people with. Um, I mean, it's the nature of the business. You like eventually you have to fire people. Yeah, um, it but, just happens. But it's kind of hard to fire somebody if it's like, I told you not to do that three months ago. Instead of mm-hmm. it's not in the, the process is this. We've gone over this. We went over this last week. You weren't meeting these steps of the process. You still aren't. Like it, it, it gives you um, context, right? And, and once you get big enough, like they have those written policies. If you oh, get yeah. written, quote unquote, written up, yeah, you know, and then they sign off on it. But yeah, you should. Yep. You're getting to the point. Yeah, yeah, we're we're knocking on those doors fast. So, but but ultimately too, it's just it's it it just like uh, just like Ken Goodrich says. Um, it's your job as a business owner to build the system so that your employees know what to do in order to profitably deliver your services to the customers. I have to build that system. And I've built the system. It's just not documented. It's just all verbal. But getting it documented is the key. Well, and it's easy to say that when you start writing that stuff down. You'd be like, oh, man, forgot about this. Oh, oh yeah. man, forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a lot more in-depth yep. than you may remember yeah. it being. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it. I mean, that's it's a daunting thing to write one process a week uh, because some of these processes are pretty in depth, pretty lengthy. Yeah, so, you're probably gonna have 25. But at I least mean, to processes start. for how we answer the phones, processes for how we close a call out. Uh, you know, where we're asking for their Google review and you know all of that kind of stuff. Like all of those things are things that could be documented so that they can be replicated. How fast so, does your wife talk? Type. <laughs> I can type paper. I can actually type pretty fast. And I mean, with talk to text now, like you can, you can whip out processes First pretty off, fast. That talk to text sucks. Well, okay. You do. So I, here's man, a, people send me stuff all the time and I'm like, the rabbit ran left at the what? Yeah. Stop. True story. Here's a funny story about talk to text. Uh, the company I worked at two companies ago, the big one, um, they had 22 plumbers and, uh, I, my job as a manager was to, you know, periodically go through the invoices and check on them and everything. And they would use talk to text. And I'm, I'm reading through one of these invoices and literally, and I'm going to paraphrase here because I can't remember exactly what it said, but the invoice was like, I arrived to find the basement had water in it because the sump pump failed. And if you wait 10 minutes, I'll come home and put it where you want me to put it. <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh my, and I'm, I'm being PC. Like yeah. it was bad. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And that's on the customer's invoice that got emailed to him, right? Oh, shit. Oh, so what it was, oh. was he was talk to texting on his work tablet for his invoice, and he was talk to texting to his girlfriend at the same time on his phone, and one of them quit, like his... his like he work, got him confused. No, his work invoice picked up 
like what the other like one he was. He thought it was off. Oh, yeah. just, he didn't hit off on his. He didn't tablet. hit off, and so it carried over. And oh shit! Like yeah, I love it. Yeah, so yeah, watch out on your talk to texts and, and like proofread well, your just, invoices. I was <laughs> just thinking for you, like if you had someone that could literally type as fast as you could talk, you could just sit down and just boom. Nail them all out. Yeah, nail they've, a lot of them out really got, fast. They've got dictation apps and everything else for all that kind of stuff. So, well, they're, mine, they're okay. They're mine, all right. Mine isn't necessarily the talking as much as it is just the organizing it so that it makes sense, mm. putting a good structure to it. So, um, but Feels yeah. like you got shit to do. I got shit to do for sure. Well, you don't realize how I didn't realize how sloppy I talked until voice to text came out. And yep. I'm like, oh, I gotta enunciate this better. Yeah. I talk I must, really fast and I must really sloppy. Enunciate. enunciate. So I'm sitting there being like the red rover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pro, pro <laughs> tip for say stuff like I like be like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't you just can't do it. Pro tip the, for talk to texting is on any device that you have, if it's an Android device, uh, you can download the Google G board. Um, and their their talk to text is uh, I don't know what the right word is. It learns you. And so it starts out a little rough, but it gets a lot smarter as time goes on. And really? Yeah. I've, I've had it for years and it's freaking dead on accurate, uh, like mm. dead on accurate. So, and it's even got a little switch to where like, if you cuss, it'll put the first letter of the cuss word and then <laughs> asterisks and, and like you could say <laughs> shithead and it would have the exact number of asterisks for Perfect. shithead, no. but then you can turn that off and actually let it say shithead too. So it's kind of uh, funny. Mine would just be a bunch of words and asterisks. <laughs> yeah. And it would just be like a lot of asterisks. Just be yeah. F asterisks, F asterisks. What is he saying? <laughs> what the hell? That's funny. What the H asterisks? Um, a lot of the stuff that we were talking about today is also in the book that we've referenced over and over and over called The E-Myth. Um, if you go to look for it now, it's The E-Myth Revisited. Uh, Ken, Ken Goodrich does like a million dollars in sales a year. The E-Myth Revisited has sold over a million copies. Uh, we preach this stuff on the show. So you don't have to just take our word for it. Take these other millions of examples for it. Um, your job as the business owner is to build the systems that your employees work from. So, so make sure you're doing that. You're going to build that system and then you're going to do all of those tasks initially. And then as you grow, you're going to start delegating all those tasks off. So that is the key to, to not get overwhelmed in business. So, um, again, this was another kind of tactical show for you guys, a little bit less of the motivational stuff, um, and a little bit less of the social topics and a a little bit more tactical business stuff. So, um, if you guys are liking the tactical stuff, please do us a favor and send us an email to askmitch at mitchsmedley.com and, uh, give us your feedback. If you like the show, let us know. If you hate the show, let us know. Um, we've got thick skin. You're not going to say anything that's going to hurt our feelings. So uh, we want your feedback. The whole purpose of this show is to give you guys the tools that you need to succeed. And uh, your feedback helps us do that dramatically. So uh, until next time, guys, we will see you later. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it, guys.